Hi, this is James. Uh, welcome to Live It Out with James Paul White. And um, apparently I goofed up, so I've got to re-record. <laughs> I just did the whole podcast, and now I have to redo it. That's okay. Um, stuff happens, and this is a learning process. And I am so glad that you are here to listen to this, because we've got a lot of great material. Um I guess uh I guess that first time around was for practice. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we are at John 14 verses 12 through 18. This is the upper room discourse. This is week number 6. And let's get started. Uh, I'll be reading out of the New King James version. It says, "Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, and I will... I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Do want to point out as we read that passage that in other translations it will say, and I will ask the Father, because that that word here uh, in other places in Scripture is translated ask. So I know it, it sounds kind of funny when you read it in the New King James or in the King James and it says, and I pray the Father. You're like, what does that mean? It just said it just means that he will ask the Father. And of course Jesus did exactly that. And on Pentecost he sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to equip us. The majority of what I want to focus on though is in verse twelve. Now, if you've noticed in the videos on YouTube, I am being more intentional about talking about self-esteem and that you can have a healthy self-esteem as a Christian. And I believe that if we look at ourselves the way that God looks at us, then we will in fact have a healthy self-esteem. Now what does that mean? Well, look at verse 12 and he says, This is Jesus talking to the twelve disciples. He says, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Why? Because he promised that he would go to the Father and send the Holy Spirit to be in us. So, by the way, um, I actually ordered some of this uh, Javi. It's a called a microdose coffee or a concentrated coffee, and um, I highly recommend it. It's um, I like it because it's quick. I mean, I literally took this mug, filled it with cold milk, put a little bit of flavoring in it, put some Javi in it, and bam! I have I have iced coffee. So. 
I, I know they're obviously not a sponsor of the program right now, but it would be nice if they were in the future. So, so if you hear me occasionally take a sip of something, that's what's in this mug. Uh, that's what I have. All right. Now, like, well, last week we looked through kind of an overview of the book of John to look at the character of Jesus. So here we're going to do kind of an overview of the book of Acts and look at how the Holy Spirit empowered the disciples to do great, great things for, for God. Um, remember, the same Peter that denied Jesus... Oh, I'm going to take... Uh, my stomach's bothering me a little bit, so I'm going to take a little Tums. Um, the same Jesus that denied... Or the same Peter that denied Jesus is the same one that preached this amazing sermon on the day of Pentecost. They said to him, uh, Brothers, what must be to be saved? And of course, in verse 38... Peter says, repent and be baptized, and you, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, I don't have time to go into it, but the same pattern exists in Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. People repent of their sins, they get baptized, and then they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know some of our... Um, Baptist friends would try to say that, well, that was just for... Baptism of the Holy Spirit was just for the people of the first century. And it only happened in Pentecost, but it happened in other places in Acts as well. Now, later on in that chapter, in verse 41... Let me turn to it real quick. It says... Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's amazing. Why are we not seeing that kind of growth in our churches? It's because we're not depending upon the Holy Spirit. We're not depending upon God. We're, doing, we're trying to be hip and cool. And Yes, modern worship is important and and um, I do prefer that over the hymns, but that's not why people are going to get saved. You could sing hymns, but if, if the person behind the pulpit is empowered by the Holy Spirit and is preaching about Jesus, then people are going to get saved. You know, I know I'm not picking on the song. I just, I, I love the song Waymaker. But if you're wearing skinny jeans and a t-shirt and singing Waymaker, but you're constantly trying to, to live out the Christian life by your own power and strength, nothing's going to happen. 
You could be in a church with a hymnal in your hand singing Blessed Assurance. And if you guys are praying for the lost and you're praying for people and loving people and inviting people to church, people are going to get saved. At the end of Acts 2, verse 47, it says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Why is it not happening now? Because we're not praying for the lost. We're not depending upon God. We're depending too much on programs. In Acts 3, there was a man who was born lame. He was healed. Now granted, it says here in verse 2 that uh, his friends um, set him in front of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and they ask alms. You know, I've worked with people who have developmental disabilities. I've worked with people who have physical disabilities. And yes, we are supposed to love people regardless of their physical condition, regardless of their IQ, regardless of you know what gifts, talents, and abilities that they have. In fact, Jesus said at the end of Acts 25, or um, Matthew 25, um, he said, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done unto me. So we're, we are to treat people who have physical disabilities with love and care and compassion. But I love what Peter says. He looks at them and says, silver and gold I have none. I do not I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The best thing he had was Jesus. Do we feel that way about Jesus? Or let me ask this. Do we when something goes wrong, when somebody gets sick, do we pray immediately? Or do we try other things and then as a last resort, oh, we should pray? I've been, I'm just as guilty as anybody who's listening to this podcast in the past where I would do stuff, and they'll be like, all right, well, none of that works, so I'm going to pray. I can honestly say recently, like, when I hear bad news about something, in, that I will stop what I'm doing and go pray. Now, I need to be more consistent in that. But at least it's a good first step. Um, I'll give you an example. I got word that my fiance's mom had a stroke. Um, she texted me. I was at work. I was finishing up something. Uh, I'm being intentionally vague because uh, I do work for the federal government and I can't talk about my job here. But I will tell you that I finished up what I was doing and went downstairs 
and I went to a nice private area and I got on my knees and prayed for her. Why? Because that should be our first reaction, not our last. And guess what? This guy here got healed in Acts 4. Peter and John are arrested, but they couldn't argue. The Sanhedrin couldn't argue about the fact that this man had been healed. Look at what it says in this is Acts 4, verse 16. What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a noble, notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. How much more would the gospel spread through America and more and more people would get saved if we would stop what we were doing and pray for the sick? It's not our power. I'm not claiming that I have power of my own. This is the Holy Spirit working through me and through you. There needs to be more of us out there who literally go to our friend, go to our family member, put our, just put your hand on their, your shoulder and say something to the effect of, God, I thank you that you take care of us. I thank you that you love us. I thank you. Thank you that you're a loving and caring father, that, that uh, you look out for us and you care about us because we're your kids. Thank you, Lord, for how you provide for us and take care of us. And Lord... This person right here is not feeling well. Uh, they, um, you know, and you can describe in detail what's going on. And then you say, Lord, I pray that you will heal this person from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. I pray that you will give them complete healing and wholeness. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Boom. That's it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to be flashy and dramatic. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to sound like you're giving some great speech. You're talking to the Creator of the universe, and you can do so because of what Jesus did on the cross to reconcile us with God. And you're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit and allowing God work through you to heal this person. It's not your power, it's God's. We are simply the instrument. Now, in Acts 6, well, uh, Acts 5, um, I know this is not something that, you know, a lot of people look, look at this and be like, wow, that's really intense. You know, some people would even say, "Well, the God of the old, some reason the God God in the Old Testament was very harsh with people, but God in the New Testament is filled with love and grace." Well, God can be harsh when he when he chooses to be, and he was very blunt and very um, he he set an example here, and I believe. You know, these people, um, it's funny, I gave this example earlier 
um, that let's just pretend somebody comes up to me and off hands me a check and says, I sold my house. And they really sold it for $100,000, but they give me a check for eighty. You know, on the surface, I'm going to be like, wow, thank you. I'm very grateful for this money, and I will spend it wisely. Um, I wouldn't know that they're lying to me, unless the person that bought the house come up to me and said, hey, by the way, I um, bought this house from one of your uh, partners. Did you know that they sold it to me for $100,000? In a this is a fake example, okay? I'd be like, well, I, they handed me a check for 80 If this happened in real life, I might go to them and be like, uh, please, I, I'm grateful for the money, but be honest with me. You don't have to lie to impress me. I'm just grateful that you're willing to support me. You know? And that's probably what I would say. But here, the, the reason I love this story so much of what happened is that the Holy Spirit empowered Peter so that Peter knew that they had lied to him. God will equip you in ways that you don't even think about. Now, I knew this one minister who was in Stillwater. And um, I used to go to this monthly prayer meeting. And he said that he had uh, counseled this guy. Who was apparently having some difficulties with his marriage. And it was like he had neon written on his forehead. And it kept flashing in adultery, adultery, adultery. And finally, the minister friend of mine stopped the guy and was like, there's something in your life that you're not telling me. You're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and you need to, to come out with it. The guy started crying, and he admitted to his affair. So, so what do you glean from that? Well, ask God. Say, God, I want to hear your voice as clear as it can be. Help me by the power, excuse me, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me to hear your voice clearer. So that if somebody is being deceitful, I can see through it. You know, and, and pray that on a regular basis. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for clarity. And ask God so that you can hear the Holy Spirit. There's a... I'm not going to get into too much depth because uh, there's a lot more material I need to cover here. But Elijah had just had that standoff with the prophets of Baal. But then... Um, the queen Jezebel pretty much uh, threatened him and put a bounty on his head. And so Elijah runs away and 
it was a couple t like he saw fire, but God wasn't in the fire, and he, he it was this powerful wind, but God wasn't in the wind, and then he heard a whisper. And it was the voice of God, and Elijah trembled and fell to the ground. I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit whispers to us, but we're too busy to stop. I know Samuel, when he was a youth, was under the tutelage of Eli, who was the high priest at the time. And God woke up Samuel a couple times. And he thought it was Eli. He'd go run into Eli and say, Did you say something to me? And he's like, No, I didn't say nothing. Go back to bed. The third time it happened, he said, he said, The next time you hear it, say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. That should be our response. If you feel like God is leading you to do something or speaking to you, say, God, what are you trying to tell me? I'm your servant. Please speak to me. Let me know clearly what you want me to do. Anyway. Um, Acts 6, the Bible says that the, the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Now, granted, at the beginning... The Greek-speaking Jews, the Greek-speaking disciples, and the, the the Jewish disciples were arguing about, you know, they had collected all this stuff, food and other things to help out the poor. You know, they assigned people to be uh, essentially what became the first deacons. And I believe that God honored that, that God honored their ability to work through this disagreement in a way that honored God and God blessed the church for that. If we would trust in the Lord rather than argue and bicker and ultimately split, and I've seen church splits, that does not honor God at all. Do you want to see the Holy Spirit work? Look in Acts 6. They solved that disagreement. They did what God wanted them to do. And they loved people and served people. They put people in charge of the distribution of food so the apostles could focus on preaching of the word. And then in verse 7 it said that... Um, then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. I don't think the church would have kept growing if they had kept bickering and arguing with one another. And you wonder why God isn't using us today. So we bicker and argue with one another, and we're not loving, and we're not kind, and we're not focused on serving and helping other people. Stephen in Acts 7, preaches a sermon to, I mean, there were Pharisees in the crowd, but there was a large crowd. They get so offended, they grab him, take him to the outer part of the city, and stone him to death. They didn't hand him a doobie. 
they picked up rocks and threw them at him until one of them hit his head and he fell over and of course you know the the blunt force trauma of a large rock hitting your head you know that happens several times you're going to die but his response was just just like Jesus he prayed for those who killed him what an act of grace that's just to me that's amazing look at what it says in verse 60 it's the last verse in the chapter it says then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice lord do not charge them with this sin when he had said this he fell asleep He had been hit with enough rocks in his body and his head that he knew he was dying. He could have cried out for justice. He could have cried out for God to um, for retribution, but instead he he prayed for them. That's love. That's real love. In Acts eight, it says the gospels preached in Samaria goes back to Acts 1.8 when Jesus told them, you will take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. By Acts 8, the gospel is in Samaria. Acts 9, Paul gets saved. Well, he was known by his, his Jewish name was Saul. His Roman name was Paul. And God used Paul on missionary trips to set up churches all throughout the Roman Empire. Is there something that you believe that God wants to use you to do? Is there something where God can use you to do something amazing for other people? I think there is, but only God can tell you what what it is for you. Let's go back to John 14 real quick. There's two other passages I want to touch on. And I only got like three minutes. Um, verse 13 it says and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son now as I told you in Acts 3 Peter prayed for a man in the name of Jesus to be healed now we pray all the time at church in Jesus name at the end of the of prayer it doesn't mean we can just tack that phrase onto the end of any prayer and we can get whatever we want. We need to be praying things that are in the will of God. In the book of James, it's very clear that if you ask for something out of selfish ambition, you're not going to get it. Oh Lord, please give me a new Ferrari. I don't need a new Ferrari. Now, I did want a sports car, and I got a, a used Scion TC. <laughs> I mean, it's got the engine of a Camry in it, for crying out loud. So, did I believe that this was God's will for me? Yeah. I got a car that's going to last a long time. It's got a big trunk. It holds lots of stuff, and it helps me get back and forth to work. 
fact that it's fun to drive is a bonus. But I didn't buy the car just because I wanted something flashy. I wanted something that I knew would be dependable and reliable. I'm crying out loud. I bought an $11,000 car. I'd love to see somebody come after me on the internet about that. <laughs> somebody might actually. Um, you can't just tack on in Jesus' name to any prayer. Is the point I'm trying to make here. We need to search the scriptures and get in agreement with what they say about us. And remember I told you we were going to be more intentional about talking about self-esteem. You need to trust what the Bible says about you. The Bible calls you a child of God. The Bible says that you're born again. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Your sins have been forgiven. And God truly loves his kids. Which means if you're a child of God, you are born again and God loves you. So, what I, I don't want you to do is to get discouraged and ask for things that are outside the will of God. Remember, we're, our, our ultimate goal is to serve Jesus and become more like him in this whole process of sanctification. Um, you know, from the point you get saved until the point you die, God is going to keep working on you and helping you to grow to become more like Jesus. So, I, my suggestion is that you keep praying and asking God to show you things in your life that, is there something God that I need to change. I want to I, I I'm glad I got to redo this because I feel led to share this and this was not in my notes. And um Psalm 139 is one of my favorite passages. Verses 23 and 24 it says Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now I know that in my life, I don't always do the right thing. I make mistakes. I know that we have the grace of God. But this is a point where you can say, Okay, God, search me, search my heart. If there's anything that I need to change, please show me. Help me to grow and be more like Jesus. That's my prayer for you today. So, next week we will cover, uh, I want to say, verses 19 through 24. Until next week, I hope you do have a great week. Thank you for listening. Special thank you to the faithful few who have been here since day one. 
And uh, like I said, see you next week. Love you guys.